Welcome to McGonagall's Chronicles, Making Montana Connections. I'm Tim McGonagall. Pearl Jam bass player Jeff Ament is no stranger to playing in front of sold-out arenas, but he would probably rather be outside. In fact, the title of the Montana-born, Big Sandy Raised Musician's latest album, his fourth solo effort, is I Should Be Outside. It came about when Pearl Jam's tour dates were canceled due to COVID. He found himself hard at work writing songs and putting his artwork skills to the test over the next few months. Now, I spoke with Ament before the recent release of the album to get a feel for the songs he wrote. He also talked about his nonprofit's Montana Pool Service, which to date has funded more than 20 skate parks in rural communities. His Big Sandy roots intersect with those of Senator John Tester, whom Ament is a big supporter of. We also touched on what it's been like to be away from the members of Pearl Jam, one of the most successful rock bands in history during this time of COVID. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jeff Ament. Well, Jeff Ament joins us, and uh, Jeff, it has been a strange year, but uh, kind of an exciting time for you, I know. Uh, you recently completed your fourth solo album called I Should Be Outside. So uh, tell me, what was the inspiration for I Should Be Outside, and uh, what can listeners expect to hear? Uh... Well, a week into the, the pandemic, uh, mid-March of last year, um, I uh, went into the studio with the uh, idea to just sort of turn the TV off and uh, block out the noise and take all the energy that I had uh, going into the uh, tour that got postponed. And it just sort of snowballed. Uh, I... I probably wrote 10 songs the first three weeks and then uh, it just kept going. And then it got to a point to where I was trying to write a song every day, which I did for about five or six weeks. And, um, and then at the end of four months, I had 60, 70 songs, which was like as many songs as I'd written in the previous four or five years. So um, it was, uh, it was good to sort of just focus on something positive and yeah. not, uh, in the middle of the pandemic and the the political climate right. which was right. rough so 60 to 70 songs how did you uh finally break it down to i think i think there's 12 cuts on the album yeah yeah how did you um yeah there you know um i also uh use some of the songs I, i've been doing a collaboration with john wicks uh who's the drummer of fits in the tantrums um called deaf charlie and so we we were working on a group of about 15 songs. And then uh, once I finished uh, the song, I hear you and the song bandwidth um, once Matt Chamberlain put drums on those songs, um, those sort of became the centerpiece for finding other songs in that group of 60 or 70 that sort of fit the, uh, the two songs that were, um, that were finished first. So, um, it's more from a thematic standpoint and it was, I was really trying to capture sort of um, what I was feeling there uh, in March, April, May uh, when everything was going down. I, I, I lost a couple of friends during that time. I lost my friend, Dan Jenner, who I grew up with in Big Sandy. Yeah. Um, um, so there's a song on the record called Against All Odds that sort of yeah. was inspired by him. Um, well, sorry to sorry to hear that. Uh, the album release date August tenth, and the I Hear You music video is uh, out. Uh, talk about that one. I know it features a comedian by the name of Chris Fairbanks, and uh, talk a little bit about that uh, that song and the, uh, what it means. Uh, Chris is just the greatest. Um, uh, I, I I 
I sort of wrote that song to sort of uh, as a mantra to sort of tell myself to keep listening to, um, you know, the friends and family that you have that you might have uh, that might have different political views or might have a different worldview than you. Um, and I try to infuse a little bit of a sense of humor in that song. And so um, that's what we did with the video. I, you know, I, from the very beginning, I kept seeing Chris as this, this character um, in, in the, in the video. And uh, he was super, super fun to, to work with. Um, but mostly it was just bringing levity to, um, you know, sort of a, an ex, uh, in a, a time that's uh, been tough on families and friends that have, uh, that are on different sides of the politics. Yeah. Um, and um, this song sort of keeps telling me to keep listening and to not be condescending and to not be, uh, uh, to feel like I'm smarter than anybody because i'm not so yeah that's that's important in a time like this i mean it has been a a real tense time i mean obviously from a health standpoint but like you said a political standpoint too and you got to be able to look at it from a kind of a perspective a perspective with with some levity i think yeah and especially with the people that you've had in your life you're you know for 50 60 years like you uh there's a reason why you still have relationships with these people and it's the, the the real reason is that you talk to one another and you listen to each other and um, um, you know that's one of the things that I love the most about you know going back to Big Sandy and spending time in Montana is I feel like I really do uh, get to have these conversations um, and we have them in grown up ways and we argue and at the end of the night we can laugh and you know, still love each other and, and hopefully take, you know, some nugget from, from each other, uh, that allows continued growth. Yeah. Now, another one of the early releases from I should be outside is called bandwidth. Uh, so Jeff, is that a statement on uh, society being too tied down to technology and work and, and not appreciating things like nature and family and that sort of thing? Yeah. And I think it's, uh, um uh you know it's 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 one of those a lot of the songs are like little sayings that i would um you know you know say at different times and uh you know it i was almost kind of making fun of like oh hey man you're using up too much bandwidth right now like you got to give me you got to give me some space or whatever and so i decided to take some of those sayings that i have and sort of turn them into songs and sort of like get to the uh, the bottom of why I would use those, uh, you know, use those little sayings. Um, and, uh, you know, bandwidth is just, is really about just all the noise, you know, just like tuning out the noise and focusing on, you know, it's, you know, it goes to the title of the, of the record, which is I Should Be Outside, which was at the bottom of my, uh, email account for the last 15 years and it was always a reminder like I'm on my computer right now and I really should be outside because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, that's that's where I'm the happiest and I think that's where people are at their best um, just I mean that you know that's why we all live in Montana where right. we have you know some of the best uh, nature 
in the on the planet and um it's i i think it's it's where we do our best uh communicating and we do our best work is outside ask any farmer right <laughs> now jeff you also did the artwork on this project and i, I think i read more than 180 portraits uh, and people can see more of that on uh, an instagram the official ament instagram uh, page uh, can you describe uh, this artwork and the story behind it um well I, I you know i went to art school i've always been like a a painter and a drawer and a sketcher and music has always been sort of a part of uh you know that that outlet for me um and about 10 years ago i went i, I went and took a painting workshop and pretty much from that point on i've just been in this mode where at some point during the day for a couple hours i go and i i work on a piece and uh when the pandemic hit, I all of a sudden I I didn't have a day gig and uh, it just became this cyclical thing. Like there were things to do around the house, but for six to eight hours a day, I was either making music or I was painting. And those things became very fluid with one another. And all of a sudden, a painting that I was doing, it might have some little verbiage on it that would turn into a song or there would be a song about somebody or something and all of a sudden that would turn into a portrait of my friend and um it, it, when i was trying to i really didn't want to put my artwork out there yet because i feel like i'm only about halfway to the ten thousand hours that <laughs> you should have before you actually show your art um but uh i uh i felt like it would have been a lie if i wouldn't have connected these two things because they were happening simultaneously and um uh, it's, you know, they just, they just belong together. So that's, that's, that's what we have. <laughs> I, I think I saw too, that, uh, in a letter that, uh, some of the in information you sent me, there's a letter that uh, says from as long as you can remember, you've, uh, drawn or scribbled with, with headphones on. So you're, you're listening to music while you're drawing those two things, obviously very important to you. Why is that? Uh, why do you think that makes you, uh, does that make you a better, like visual artist and a better musician as, as well or how do, how do you um, well i think i think um i think you learn something from the both mediums you know like i i remember when i did this painting workshop um the thing that kept coming around over and over was not to be precious about your favorite parts of the paintings that you're doing in fact you know, the, the guy was saying, like, don't be afraid to, like, paint over the best parts because sometimes the best parts are the parts that you're comfortable with. And the only way you're going to grow as an artist is to be, put yourself in inc uncomfortable situations. And that's how you'll learn new technique and that's how you'll learn new ways to write songs. And so that painting workshop really influenced my songwriting in that um, I started taking chances and and um, the more chances I took, every once in a while, somebody would hear a song and go like, wow, that's cool. I've never heard you sing that way before. Or I've never heard you play piano on a song before. Or, And those were all sort of like chances I was taking that were sort of outside the realm of my strengths. And um, uh, that's been the, you know, that's been kind of the theme of this last 18 months is... Uh, there was no end game. I wasn't planning on putting out a record. I wasn't planning on showing anybody my artwork. Um, but um, 
I am. But there here I am. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm showing you my <laughs> new record, and, I'm, and it's full of my artwork. So it's, it's great. Um, so Jeff, you've been uh, with Pearl Jam for 30 years, uh, and this is your, but this is your fourth solo album. Do you prefer uh, doing the projects solo or working in collaboration, or do they both have their their pluses? Uh, I guess. Well, I, I think they, I think they both, uh, I think they both help each other out. Um, I would much rather prefer to play with the guys in the band um, right. every time. I mean, I would, um, I, I think I've been quoted as saying over the years that if it was up to me, we'd go in the studio every three or four months um, as a band. Um, I just, I just love the collaborative process, and I love having another perspective or many other perspectives on anything that I'm doing. I think it's, uh, again, it's another way to sort of grow as a, as an artist and as a musician. Um, and you know, it's, we, we had a year and a half here without playing together. We played together for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Um, for, it was the first time we were all in a room together and, wow. um, it was awesome. It was <laughs> like, you know, it's like you take something away for a year and a half and then you yeah. really realize how much you miss it. So, yeah. Um, Don't know what you got till it's gone. That was uh, Cinderella. Oh. Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, well, I know Jeff, uh, another big passion of yours is helping build skate parks, not just in Montana, but uh, beyond. So talk about your foundation, the Montana pool service, the Jeff Ament army. Uh, talk about the, the beginnings of that and how it came about. Uh, it really, it really came about um, getting a skate park built to Missoula. I guess almost twenty years ago, um, uh, I had already built a little ball in my yard, and I had um, relationships with a couple of skate park builders in the Northwest, and um, that was sort of what I was trying to help bring to the Missoula skate park project. Was I? I'd spent quite a bit of time uh, skating different parks around the world. And I felt like these builders that we had in the Pacific Northwest were maybe the best um, at that time and still are, you know, two or three of the best skate park builders in the whole world. Um, and uh, I had friends in other parts of the state that were building parks. Uh, my friend Pete and Helena and, uh, uh, the folks up in St. Ignatius and my friends up in Whitefish. Um, and then it just started to, it just started to snowball a little bit. 10 years ago, we uh, decided to build a skate park in Big Sandy. That was kind of a big deal because it was my hometown. Um, uh, my friend uh, Darren Schuster was the mayor at that time and he helped kind of facilitate that, which was amazing. Um, and then, and then, you know, when you build a town in, say, Hamilton and Stevensville, which is 30 miles down the road, they want a skate park. And then the Darby is a few more miles down the road. They want a skate park. And um, it's just been great to um, work with these communities and get to hang out with all these kids. And um, I have a little uh, team of kids at different parts of the state that I uh send boards and wheels and product to um so it's been a it's been a great way for me to stay connected to the youth and um and i get to travel around the state every year i i you know it this takes me out to wolf point and glendive and baker uh 
where my childhood priest, Father Tobin, um, is still a priest in Ikalaka. Wow. Um, so it's it's just been an amazing thing. Like I, I feel um, building these parks has really kept me connected to the entire state, and I just love it. I love it so much. It's my favorite part of the year. Um, summertime in Montana and building a, a new park or two every year. And, uh, um, yeah, I feel lucky. And you get to be, a, I'm sure, a test subject for these skate parks to, because you still, you still uh, have your skateboard and you still get out there, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, you can't stop now, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, all of my 15-year-old dreams are coming true right now. There's <laughs> skate parks in every town in Montana. Like, I would have, yeah. I would have been beside myself if that would have happened in the late 70s. So. Right. And it, also uh, looking at some of your information about Montana Pool Service, it says beyond the concrete. So it's not, it, it, I mean, the skate park itself, the physical skate park for these kids to get out and, you know, uh, you know enjoy the fresh air is, is great. But uh, it, it goes beyond that, too. So explain the, what you mean by beyond the concrete. Well, you know, I think um, a lot of the kids that um, gravitate towards skateboarding are maybe the kids that aren't team sports kids. Um, I mean, there are plenty that do both. I did both growing up, but um, uh, I think it, it, uh, it creates an environment for kids to be around their peer group and to push one another and to, uh, to just be better at something. And I think it's, you know, I think it does uh, great things for uh, your self-esteem and skateboarding is becoming it's an olympic sport now so it's like it's legitimate for the first time ever maybe um and so uh being a great skateboarder is every bit as impressive as being uh you know an all-state wrestler or uh, a football player on the montana grizzlies um <laughs> and to me that's that's an exciting thing that there's uh there's this other outlet that um, is as much art as it is a sport and it's uh, you know it gets respect now which is which is uh, which is exciting yeah the whole Olympic thing uh, I mean now it's getting uh, not only national attention but international attention so it could be yeah. opening up a whole new uh, generation of skateboarders here yeah 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 I, it's, I mean this is going to change things especially with the success that like Japan and China and Brazil are having in the Olympics so far with skateboarding. I mean, it's going to really change things, I think. That's right. Uh, so, Jeff, uh, if, if people want to help out or learn more, or maybe they live in a community where they're looking for a skate park, uh, how, how can they get in touch with your foundation? Um, they, I, I have, they can go to montanapoolservice.com. Um, we uh, we just got the website sort of together. It's still there's still the donation page, and there's still a few things that aren't super together. But they can leave uh, a uh, phone number or an address on that. Um, uh, and yeah, we you know we're I think we got uh, I think we're talking to people in Fort Benton, and we're talking to people in Townsend for next year. So we're uh, we got projects penciled in. Um, yeah, and, and that's that, that's the goal is to get a if we can get a skate park every like 50 miles in Montana, then we're, Got it covered. we're about 10 years away, I think, <laughs> from finishing that up. Cool. <laughs> Jeff, uh, going back to I Should Be Outside and the artwork, one of the pieces that really s stood out to me was 
Tell the Barber. It's a, a tribute to your, uh, to your dad, who was the uh, barber and, uh, I guess, unofficial town therapist. And was he the mayor for Brig Sandy, too? Is that? Is yeah, that I think he was a mayor for like 18 years, um, which is a, you know, it's a, uh, it's a non-paying gig. Um, so it's, uh, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it's maybe not the easiest. I think those uh, jobs aren't the easiest where you're not making money, but you're also in the middle of uh, sometimes opposing ideas. Um, but I think my dad always relished being in that mode. Um, and I think he, being a barber for all those years, sort of, he was often in a room with people of, that were arguing about things. Um, so uh, I, you know, I think sometimes when you, you know, people say like your dad was a barber. I mean, my dad was much more than a barber. He had a farm. Right. He sold insurance. He drove school bus. He like helped people with remodeling gig jobs all over town. He was on the church council. He was, uh, you know, a uh, volunteer fireman, EMT. Um, so he, he, uh, both he and my mom were just, they're still big inspirations to me um, in terms of how they, how community, uh, how involved they were with their community and um, how it was just part of their DNA. It was just what you did. If you lived in a town, you sort of did whatever you could to help your fellow neighbor. And um, that's, um, I'm just trying to build on that legacy that they laid out in front of me. So, yeah, sounds like you, I mean, it was great. sounds to me at least like it was great growing up in big Sandy. Uh, You know, it wasn't the big city, but it was a, a great town for 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 you and your generation right yeah and you know the you know my brother and i talk about this all the time like you know growing up in big sandy we were sort of allowed to succeed or be good at a lot of different things and you know i had a skateboard ramp in my yard but then i was a pretty good football and basketball player and i ran track and i'm you know i got to make all these teams and mm-hmm because it's a small enough town, everybody makes the team. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there was a lot of freedom in that town and uh, uh, everybody watched out for each other. And if kids were getting in trouble, there was somebody who was, you know, t- telling your parents that you were getting in trouble. And so <laughs> it was, uh, uh, it was, it was loose, but it was, uh, but you know, it was um, every you know people cared there, and that right. that, that was that was um, something that I really loved about growing up. Yeah. Now another well-known person from Big Sandy, of course, Senator John Tester. You guys have known each other, I think. I think before you were in Pearl Jam, and before he was in Washington sure. D.C. Uh, describe your relationship with him. Oh man, I, I mean, I'm so proud of John. Like, um, I worked in a farm. Um, I worked on Bud Meyer's farm, which was right next to the farm that he grew up on. Um, and so I would occasionally, you know, in the late seventies, <clears throat> we would, you know, our tractors would pass one another in the fields, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, we'd drive past each other in the trucks. Um, so I, you know, I know exactly where John came from. Like I literally walked, worked three summers next <laughs> to his farm doing exactly the same jobs that he was doing. And, um, to see where he's at now, like what a journey, what a bunch of hard work, uh, what an incredible communicator, um, a guy that one of the rare guys in, in Washington, D.C. who's 
who's bridging the gap and talking to both sides and listening um, and also govern, uh, you know, also, you know, doing the work of, you know, not just from the Democratic side of things, but also really representing, you know, people that are Republicans. And um, I'm just super proud of him. He, he's like, he's one of the, I think one of the real heroes in DC right now. And um, we need more like him back there. Yeah, and he's he's one of those guys. Uh, what you see is what you get. Uh, you yep. see, you know you see him on the Senate floor arguing about a bill or uh, you know making his case, and uh, that's exactly the same guy you see. And we've had to interview him on the farm in in uh, Big Sandy, and uh, the, it's it's just refreshing to to be able to talk to someone who's who's the same in Big Sandy as he is on yeah. Capitol Hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a straight shooter, and he he's when he sees when he see somebody who's like you know uh trying to put one over on him he'll call him out on it mm -hmm. and uh i think he get i know he gets really frustrated with uh kind of the red tape and just like the you know the way th the way that they've been you know sort of uh running the government the last uh these last 20 years or whatever i think he gets frustrated with that but um he he will tell he'll tell he'll tell anybody he doesn't it doesn't matter who if you're the president or if you're <laughs> You're the, you know, the head of the Senate or the president of the Senate or whatever. He'll sure. he'll tell you when yeah. you're not doing it right. So, well, Jeff, do you make it back to Big Sandy uh, much, or how how often do you get um, back? To I've been back three times this year already, and I think I'll be back. Um, we have a annual we call it Big Sandy Pig Roast. We have a, a skate event uh, every summer um, this year. I think it's August twenty eighth. Um, it's a 10th year that we've had it. So skateboarders from all over the state show up and, uh, uh, Josh has live music at peps and, uh, we skateboard and sort of celebrate summer in Montana. Ho hopefully it's not too smoky yeah. there. I heard it's kind of bad right now. But. Right. <laughs> all right. So Pearl Jam, again, we said they're 30 years together. What, what does it mean that you've been together with pretty much that same lineup, uh, for, for that, for that length of time? Oh man, it's, it's, I can't tell you how lucky I feel. Um, I mean, I, I love, I love these guys more than ever. Um, I mean, I, we really care about each other. Um, we all fully understand like how lucky we are to still be doing this 30 years down the road. Um, uh, you know, we've, we made a, a really great record that we're proud of, uh, a year and a half ago that we still haven't gotten to go out and play those songs. Um, so we have that, we really have that to look forward to with these four shows that we have at the end of the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're, you know, we're excited about, you know, at some point this winter making another record and, and just keeping it going. And hopefully we exit this pandemic at some point, uh, early next year and we can get back to, you know, being in arenas and being in close proximity, uh, safely. Um, but we, you know, it's, I, I feel really lucky. That's, that's kind of the, the, the top of the thing is, you know, I, that I, to be this far down the road in a, you know, in a business and a collaboration with five guys who all have a voice and that there's still like really genuine respect, you know, amongst the five of us and, uh, that we're still creating together. It's, it's a big deal. Yeah. How difficult was it to cancel those shows? Uh, 
really hard. Um, I mean, it was like three days of arguing about, you know, um, because we've, we had a bunch of our crew in Albany, New York, who were, who were uh, programming the lights and we were having conversations with them about, you know, the scenes that we create for each song, you know, so we were, and we'd already done two weeks of rehearsals. Um, you know, we had this record coming out that we hadn't had a record come out in five or six years. So there's like the pressure of that, um, wanting to get out and play those songs. Um, but then we heard that the first show in Toronto, there was going to be people from like 12 different countries um, flying into that first show in Toronto. And we just thought that was a nightmare. Like, you know, based on, we'd had some conversations with people from the CDC and some people from local Seattle hospitals who were, uh, you know, dealing with people that had the virus. And so we, um, we knew how serious it was and we knew how, uh, 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 you know, that the, it was it was really e- easily transmittable, um, even at that point. And so that made it easier for us to sort of to postpone at that point. But it was, you know, we really wanted to play shows. We, you know, we hadn't played news. You know, like I said, we had had a group of new songs in five or six years. So um, it was tough to pull the plug on it. Yeah, I know that uh, in, in Missoula they uh, streamed your um, concert from I believe it was 2018, not too yeah. long ago. And uh, t- take me back to that day. What was it like to play in in front of the home kind of kind of the home field? I guess you could say uh, that's got to be a special feeling for you when you've reached as much success as as you have. With uh, very, it's got to be a very proud feeling to to bring your bandmates to where you went to college and uh, grew up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, every six years, usually sort of around the time of John Tester running for Senate, we, we've done these, we've done a show and um, we hadn't done a show at Washington Grizzly Stadium, I think for almost 20 years. We did, we, you know, we, I think we played like the first real big rock concert there like about 20 years ago, um, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, but uh, this was sort of the culmination of having played six or seven shows in Missoula over the last 30 years. And there's a lot of organizations that um, I've worked with over the years. And we sort of got, we sort of got to put them all together in this little village outside of the stadium. And um, that to me was like, you know, sort of one of the proudest moments that I've had in the band because it was like, it was sort of my, it was sort of my people, you know, and <laughs> yeah. they were all together and it was a celebration and John was running for Senate again. So we got to be there to support him, my, my parents, my family, you know, a bunch of uh, friends that I've had since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of doesn't get much better than that. Um, and I, th- I think I did tell somebody later that night, I'm like, yeah, that this was like the, this was the end this would be a perfect this would be the perfect night to just end the, you know playing music on because it um yeah everybody was there and uh i'm there with my band and we're doing lots of good work and it really we were really just a small part of the whole giant community that was around us that night and um there's not a better feeling than that 
You've been listening to a conversation with Pearl Jam bass player Jeff Immense. His latest solo album, I Should Be Outside, was released on August 10th. It's available in digital, vinyl, and streaming formats. Next time on McGonagall's Chronicles, Making Montana Connections. If you mess up, people die. You, you can get injured. Uh, I, I was you know, personally wounded. Uh, I, I have all, all my body parts, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay now I fully recovered but yeah mis mistakes are measured in, in blood and, and lives in that setting and so it can be extremely stressful. Livingston author and former Army Ranger Ray McPatton discusses his time leading troops in Afghanistan and Iraq as well as his war memoir We March at Midnight and we welcome your story ideas and feedback. Look for McGonagall's Chronicles on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, I'm Tim McGonagall.